morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's your good friend, A.A. Ron. It is uh, September 11th. September 11th. Man, I saw, what's his name, guy's name? Amen, Alex. He did a whole video recently on September 11th. And talking about where he was when that happened. And uh, I guess I'll go ahead and share what I had going on on September 11th. Uh, What I remember, I was a freshman in high school. And let's see here. I remember at that time, my mom was... Let's see, we were only a month into school because school started in August, maybe less than a month, a couple of weeks into school, right? And um, yeah, my mom was taking me to school this particular day. This is before she started dropping me off at the Metrolink and I was taking the train to school. This particular day, I was in the car with her and this would have been 2001... I graduated in 05, so it was like 2001. Yeah, yeah, 9 11 happened 2001. Yeah, of course. All right, so I was in the car with mom, and we had the radio on, and I don't even know which radio station it was, but I just remember them saying two plane, or at that time it was one plane. They just said a plane just crashed into the World Trade Center, but I don't remember them saying the World Trade Center. I just remember something about a building i didn't know what building at first yeah i just and for some reason in my head i felt like it was a helicopter or something a flying object i can't remember what they said i just remember them saying i remember hearing that a flying object went into a building and i was like my first thought as a kid this is i'm freshman high school like what dummy just flew a plane into or a flying object a plane or whatever whatever it was into a building like somebody, you know, was off that day or, you know, I didn't think like they were, I didn't have a concept of thinking somebody was drunk, but I just, my thought was just like some dummy, some big dummy, as Red Fox would say, yeah, flew a plane or a flying object into a building. And uh, then I remember going to school and then this is why I wish I had a journal. I had kept journals back then because I really would have liked to know what my thoughts were back then but anyway so they pulled out i remember them pulling out a big one of those big tvs that had you know you know how it is in school it had the big old tv on a cart before you know projectors and smart boards and all the other devices we have now to watch stuff flat screens yeah we had a the big old rollout cart tv i think they still had that yeah and i remember watching um the news and I feel like we eventually went back to class or started class later on in the afternoon but for like the first part of the morning it was just watching the news the whole school like in different pods or groups watching the news like I feel like it was in that middle we had this whole area in the middle of the school building where everyone congregated So maybe that was it. I can't remember fully. But yeah, that's all I really remember about 9-11. And then as time went on and all the different celebrations we've had, or the, 
the memorials they've had and after seeing all the conspiracy videos and just having time to think about it everything happening uh i won't i won't say it like i i just my prayers still go out to the people that were lost that died that day sadly um yeah I won't say much other than that. Yeah, because I have my own thoughts and opinions about 9-11, but I'll keep them to myself. So that's all I'll say about that. All right. So let's go ahead and hop into. I feel like I should should do that just because today's 9-11. And yeah, we should. It's definitely something we should never forget how serious it was. All right. Darn it. What in the world? Is that a B? I better not try to come in here. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Do it. Proverbs. I'm going to do Psalm 11. Psalm 11. Psalm 11. It's going to be somewhat of a short episode. Well, I'll try to make it a short episode. We'll see how we, how that goes. I got somewhere to be in exactly an hour. Yeah, I need to stop at this. Stop up here and get some coffee. I think I'm going to break down and get a Keurig, y'all. Because if I'm going to keep waking up this early every day, <laughs> I need some caffeine, homie. I need some caffeine. Now I see why people drink so much coffee. All right, here we go. Yes, it's a short ver- It's a short psalm. Psalm 11. It's only seven verses. All right. I have taken refuge in the Lord. Yes, Lord, we have taken refuge in you. How can you say to me, escape to the mountains like a bird? For look, the wicked string bows, the wicked string bows, they put their arrows. All right, my bad. (laughs) That's funny. My bad, my bad. Reverse, reverse. For the wicked string bows, they put their arrows on bow strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart. Yes, Lord. How can you just tell us to escape to the mountains and to run from all these um, or in David's case? How can you in our in our in our in our hearts? A lot of us, I'm trying to say this the right way. A lot of us are fearful or we're we're um, anxious or we're ready to run from all these issues and problems that we have. We're escaping for us. Um, our escapes might be video games. It might be alcohol. Some of us alcohol. Some of us might be TV. Some of us might be, you name it, um, work. That can be an escape. Um, yeah, we constantly got these fiery darts, especially as Christians, coming at us from the enemy. When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? A lot of us are asking questions, Lord, what can we do right now? Are the foundation of this country, the foundation of our faith, a lot of us, the foundation of our churches and everything we ever might have believed is being shaken right now. But Lord, you are not shaken. So, yes, because next here, verse four says the Lord is in his holy temple. Yes, Lord, you are in your holy temple. The Lord, his throne is in heaven. Your eyes watch 
they gaze and examine everyone. You gaze and examine everyone. You see everything that's going on. You, Lord, examine the righteous, and but you hate the wicked and those who love violence. We pray, Lord, yes, even though David says here, let you rain burning coals and sulfur on the wicked and let a scorching wind be the portion in their cup. We, I pray that over those, I pray that over Satan and his demonic forces that are, have people trapped in, um, in bondage. I pray that prayer over them, that that's what happens to them. But those that are under the bondage of Satan, who have not given your life over to you yet, who have not bowed their knee and confessed you as Lord, I pray for grace and mercy for them. And for the Lord, for you, Lord, are righteous. You love righteous deeds. Thank you, Lord, that we're righteous, not based on anything that we have done, but only what your son Jesus did on the cross. And the upright, we will see your face. So I thank you that we're upright. You hold us upright. Even if our somebody else might say we're not upright, um, the world might say we're not upright. They may call us hypocrites or Satan and his demons may come and accuse us of all the things we've done this week, or all the things we said wrong this week or, or yesterday, or today or whatever. All the stuff we want to say, Lord, but you say that we're upright and you hold us upright. And we look forward to the day when we can see you face to face. And uh, Lord, I pray that we would see your face even this week today, Lord, we would see your face all throughout our day. We would uh, not just see it, Lord. we know, like, I don't know, some people have seen you in dreams. Um, some people have claimed to see you uh, in appearances or angel appearances, Lord. But Lord, I pray that today would be the day we would actually see your face um, in our other senses, Lord, with a... Uh, that we would just sense you in that with that sixth sense, Lord, of that in our spirit, in our soul, Lord, we would just know, Lord, your presence is among us, Lord. And uh, make yourself clearly known to us, Lord. Not that we need a sign or anything to prove it. Lord, we just want to know. We just want to know you, God. We want to know you, God, in a way that we've never known you before. And um, we just look forward to this as we read Ruth chapter 3 that you would speak to our hearts, transform our minds. And uh, I pray we'll get something from it that we've gleaned something from that we've never gleaned before. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. All right. And most of all, that we apply it to our lives. That's the biggest thing. Amen. All right. Ruth's appeal to Boaz. So, yeah, back in Ruth chapter 2, it was so good. There was so much stuff in there. I can't even really... I mean, I'm going to try my best to recap it, but there's so much going on. Uh, Ruth finally meets Boaz in, in chapter two. And uh, we just see that God got oh Yeah. Go check out the guy. Um, ah, what is his name? Ah, it's going to bother me. Ah, why do I struggle with names lately? It's right on the tip of my tongue. Ah, I don't want to have to look this up. All right, it's gonna, the video is going to pause for a second.
There you go. Derek Prince. Derek Prince is his name. So this guy named Derek Prince, he has a, a you can look it up on YouTube or go to his website. But I think it's free on YouTube. The whole series, all the videos called God is Matchmaker. It's really cool how God. He if it's his will for you to be married. um, He knows how to present a suitable helpmate for you. And he knows who you're going to choose and when you're going to choose them. But he still gives you like that free choice to where there's no not this pressure. Like, oh, I have to find my soulmate. Like he gives us choice. You like right now I have. It's crazy to say this. <laughs> oh, this isn't I'm not sticking my foot in my mouth. I, I know I have lots of options. I know I can go right now on Match.com. I can go on Facebook. I can go on. Um, what is it? You got Hinge, uh, Bumble, all of them, POF. What's the other one? Tinder. I can go on any of them apps, right? Facebook has dating, right? I can go on any of them sites or Upward. Yeah, there's a bunch of sites now. I can go find me a wife. I can go to the grocery store. I'm in the grocery store doing the uh, grocery shopping folks all the time. I could pick out a mate easily. Easily. I'm not even like I'm not saying that to toot my own horn or like say I'm like Denzel or something like that. I've seen that. I've been out here in these streets. I've seen what's going on. Like I've seen some of these brothers sitting in the passenger's ride or their girlfriend's ride. And so. Yes. I know. I know what's out there. I know my options, but. I, I, I want to wait for God's best. I already have an idea who that is, but I'm waiting on God to confirm it in their heart. And if he doesn't, I'm cool. I'm finally content. I'm happy. I mean, it'll be kind of rough to break free from it for a minute to be cool. I, don't, I might be hurt a little bit for a minute, but I know God has the one for me. If it's his will for me to get remarried again, she's out there. And anyway, we clearly see in this story with Ruth that she was positioned by God and that he had a divine plan to bring Boaz and Ruth together before they were even born in Bethlehem of all places. And it's crazy that Boaz's mother was Rahab, the prostitute who wasn't even a Christian. She, (laughs) she got redeemed by the, uh, by those two spies that were sent in by uh, Joshua, right? She's the mother of Boaz. And then Boaz is the kinsman redeemer, a family member of Naomi. It's just crazy, all these dots connecting. And so anyway, yeah, God knew when Ruth was going to be out in that field, gleaning from Boaz's fields. And this is just a really, really, really cool story. So a really, really cool story. I could talk about it for days and just read it over and over again. But this episode is already 15 minutes long. (laughs) I apologize, y'all. I apologize. And I am not even in chapter three yet. But good thing the verse is 18. The chapter is 18 verses. So somebody out there likes my tangents. I hope so. If not, then yeah, I apologize. All right. Ruth's appeal to Boaz. Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, shouldn't I find rest for you 
All right, I'm pause one more time. There's this, there's this, uh, <laughs> there's this gif or this meme or whatever that my brother sends me a lot. It's like, it's from like 700 Club, whatever. It's that white, old white dude, older white guy that's like, I've seen you doing it for others, Lord. I Please do it for me. I know you can do it for me or something like that. I need to find it. I'm going to make that. I'm going to make a post about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I see, Lord, you did it for, you did it for Ruth and Boaz. You did it for Boaz, Lord. I know I'm not on Boaz's level yet. I know I don't have, I don't own a farm or a business. Well, I can't, yeah, technically I do. Yeah. Shoot the Bible as a business. Um, and me doing delivery is uh stuff is quality delivery. That's that's a business. But I don't like have workers like he did, like lady workers and male servants and I ain't on that level yet, God. But Lord, I seen what you've been doing for some I've seen some of these brothers out here. I've seen some of these brothers out here. They don't even work. They don't even work. They lady work. Well, they work, they do art. They don't even really bring no money into the household, Lord. Oh, I'm not trying to say I need a, a sugar mama. But I just want to help mate, Lord. This to help mate. This to help mate. We team together and we 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 tell you people about you until we check up out of here. That's how I'm asking for, Lord. I've seen you do it for others. I would love for you to do this for me. All right, here we go. <laughs> My bad, y'all. I had to do that. All right, Ruth chapter three. Ruth appealed to Boaz. Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, shouldn't I find rest for you so that you would be taken care of? Hmm. Interesting. Back then, yeah, a husband took care of the wife for years. Now we live in a society where there's some women out here who are taking care of the fellas. Just saying, it's possible. It's possible. Anything is possible. All right, now isn't Boaz our now isn't Boaz our relative? Haven't you been working with his female servants? This evening he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfumed oil, and wear your best clothes. Go down to the threshing floor, but don't let the man know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, notice the place where he's lying. Go in and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will explain to you what you should do. When he lies down, notice the place where he's lying. Go in and uncover his feet and lie down. This is wild. This is a wild story. That this... Does anybody else think this is weird that Naomi would tell Ruth to go to Boaz's feet after he's he's full, he has a full belly and finished drinking, he's tired, <laughs> he's sleepy, and lie down at his feet. And Boaz wouldn't say anything or Boaz had no temptation to do anything inappropriate. This is interesting. This is so interesting to me. Um, and I, my first, my other thought that I was having was like about Jesus, how Mary sat at Jesus's feet, the whole Mary and Martha story. All right. Anyway, verse five. So Ruth said to her, I will do everything you say. She went down 
Let me go back. I will do everything you say. She went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law had charged her to do. After did everything her mother-in-law had charged her to do. After Boaz ate, drank, and was in good spirits, or was his heart was glad, he went to lie down at the end of the pile of barley, and she came secretly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Aww. Uh, At midnight, Boaz was startled, turned over, and there lying at his feet was a woman. Lord, <laughs> what you done for others? Oh, I need you to do this for me. Just have a woman just come start lying at my feet. Oh, man, that'd be something else. Something else. All right. <laughs> so he asked, who are you? I am Ruth, your servant, she replied. Take me under your wing, for you are a family redeemer. Then he said, May the Lord bless you, my daughter. May the Lord bless you, my daughter. You have sown more kindness now than before, because you have not pursued younger men, whether rich or poor. Hmm. The way I read that is like you could have gotten any guy out here. You could have got yourself a young, handsome man that you know. With lots of energy. And you could have got a rich man or a poor man. But you chose me. Boaz, I could get chose. All right, verse 11. Now don't be afraid, my daughter. I will do for you whatever you say. I'll do for you whatever you say. Since all the people in my town. What else does it say here? Or whatever you say to me. Mm. Since all the people in my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Mm. Mm. Yes, it is true that I am a family redeemer, but there is a redeemer closer than I am. Stay here tonight and in the morning if he wants to redeem you. That's good. Let him redeem you. But if he doesn't want to redeem you as the Lord lives, I will. Now lie down until morning. Hmm. Verse 14. So she lay down at his feet until morning, but got up while it was still dark. Then Boaz said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. And he told Ruth. Bring the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. When she held it out, he shoveled six measures of barley into her into her shawl, and she went into the town. Man, Boaz, Boaz had it like that. I wonder how much that was worth. How much money that would be worth in today's money? I'm sure it was not cheap. She went to her mother-in-law Naomi, who asked her, "What happened, my daughter?" Then Ruth told her everything the man had done for her. She said, he gave me these six measures of barley because he said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Naomi said, my daughter, wait until you find out how things go, for he won't rest unless he resolves this today. Yeah, so Boaz had a whole issue with this whole, there was another guy that was even closer to her that could be her kinsman redeemer. So he got, he's going to, in chapter four, we're going to find out how he sorts this out so he can get, he can, he can be a 
Ruth's kinsman redeemer and uh, and actually marry her. Have the right to marry her. All right. It's too early to be yawning like this, so I need some coffee. All right. Naomi decided to become a matchmaker. She told Ruth to go to Boaz's threshing. These are the Tony Evans notes, by the way, for those that didn't know. Haven't been. This is your first time listening to this podcast. All right. Naomi decided to become a matchmaker. She told Ruth to go to Boaz's threshing floor that night. The threshing floor was where the winnowing would take place, separating the barley from the from the inedible, from the inedible chaff. Just like earlier when we read about Gideon, that's what he was doing. He was threshing wheat, but normally you did it outside, apparently. Because it required wind, I believe, but he was doing it in a wine press indoors. During the harvest, Boaz would have spent the night there to prevent theft of his grain. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> Boaz was that's wild. Boaz was his own security guard of his own stuff. There's so many things you could pull out here. A preacher could like a preacher. I know preachers could have field days on the book of Ruth. This have a whole sermon, like multiple sermons. You could do multiple sermons on the book of Ruth. On the character, just talking about Boaz alone, talking about Ruth alone. Talking about Naomi alone, each of them. You could do sermons on sermons on sermons on each of these folks. All right, Naomi, we can learn a lot from these these people. Naomi advised Ruth to uncover his feet and lie down after he finished eating and drinking and went to sleep for the night. Once Boaz realized she was there, he would explain what she would do next. Through her words and actions here, through her words and actions here, Ruth was making a marriage proposal. She was... She was requesting that Boaz perform his legal responsibility as a family redeemer. Wow. So all that talk about how the man is supposed to pursue the man, the woman and the man is supposed to propose to the, the woman. Here's an example of the Bible of the woman proposing to the man. Hey, hey, ladies. Hey, ladies. Hey, ladies. Hey, ladies. Take note. Take note, y'all can propose too. Y'all can make proposals too. It's not just the guy. Hey, it's right here in the Bible. Don't get mad at me. Don't shoot the messenger. She it said, yeah, she made a marriage, basically a marriage proposal to him. Go back and read it for yourself. By asking him to take her under his wing, Ruth was reminding him of the blessing he had pronounced on her previously. Ruth was challenging him to become the human expression of God's divine covering. So, yeah, we can once again, I said we'll talk more about covering some other time. But here you can see marriage, the man, the husband, the father, the leader of a home. He's the covering for his wife and his family. The spiritual and physical covering. Protection covering is protection, really. The word redeem appears multiple times here. Through its use, through its use, Boaz is presented as an Old Testament picture of Jesus Christ or foreshadowing to Jesus Christ, who redeemed or bought back sinners from slavery to sin. Through Christ, our Redeemer, we are given. We are forgiven, set free from sin 
made new creations and have a new relationship with God. If Boaz were to redeem Ruth, she'd bought. If Boaz were to redeem Ruth, she'd be bought out of slavery to her impoverished circumstances and formally adopted into God's chosen family. Wow, that's amazing. Ruth arose and left while it was still dark so that no one would see her and misconstrue the night's events, bringing harm to their reputations. I was thinking that myself. In today's world and culture, especially in church culture, everybody would like have frowned upon what just happened here. They'd be like, what? You slept over his place? Now, I'm not saying y'all go out here and do this stuff, but I don't, God, like, I don't know. I'm just amazed at God's grace and how religion would be like. I know we should not let our... um avoid the appearance of evil but here they were outside Ruth slept at his feet and overnight next to him that just shows you the type of integrity that both of them had especially Boaz because Boaz could have taken advantage of that whole situation that whatever he wanted with, with her and I'm sure there was a temptation for them to do more but they didn't God allowed it to happen he knew it was going to happen once again, I'm not saying just be going to sleep over your fiance, you know, boyfriend's house. If you're in that situation, I encourage you to break it off until y'all are actually married. Um, that's one of my biggest. Um, I don't I don't, I don't like the word regret. It's one of the biggest things um, that I could have done better. Is, yeah, not having sex before I was married when I met my former wife. Um, that would have helped a lot. That would have helped us avoid a lot of pain. There's a good chance we might not even even gotten married. Who knows if we had not had sex before getting married? Because a lot of those things that you overlook when it's just all about the sex and the physical aspects, yeah, it gets overlooked. So, anyway, I just I, man, this 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 these stories are just filled with grace. Naomi's story, Boaz's story. And uh, Ruth's story, they're just filled with grace, 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 grace. I see grace all over this. So let's hop on that Romans Road of Salvation. I'm looking forward to how long is the book of Ruth? I know it's not that long. Yeah, we only got, is it two more chapters? It's only one more chapter. I'm almost tempted to read one more, but I need to get going because else I'll be, I want to be early to this eight o'clock meeting. All right. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Or all have come up short and have not met the standard of God who is perfect. And Romans 6.23 says, It says, For the cost or the wages of sin or missing the mark or falling short of God's glory is death. All because of Adam and Eve. Go back and read Genesis, the fall. All because of Adam and Eve, our great-great-grandparents. They introduced sin into the world because they... Yeah, and because of that, we're all born into sin. Or missing the mark, or God's standard. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So God, the gift God gave us, he had a plan of redemption from the very beginning. There in the garden, he had a plan 
the sinner's son, Jesus, who was who was and is perfect. Only man to ever fully God, fully man, only man to ever live on the face of the earth and walk perfectly. And because of that. Yeah, he gives us that free gift. And then Romans 5 says, but God demonstrated or commendeth or showed, displayed his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, he chose to die for us. Christ died for us in one of the most horrific ways in history. The Romans were known for killing. They were like experts at, at uh, torturing and killing folks. And Jesus was whipped. He was lied on. He was spit on. He was wrongly accused. He was wrongly, yeah, imprisoned. And then he was wrongly murdered in one of the most heinous ways through... Yeah, he had to carry a cross on his back up a hill. And then he was hung, had nails in his hands, nails in his feet, piercing his side. And I think he hung there for, they say, I think some records say about six hours. That's how the amount of time he hung on the cross. It was a long time before he actually died. And he endured all of that for us so that we could experience eternal life and walk blamelessly. Not perfectly, blamelessly, until we reach perfection in heaven and we're in our new bodies. So, Romans 10, 9 through 10, here's your option. Here's, your, here's the invitation right here. Or some of y'all would see this as a sales pitch, but it's not a sales pitch. I'm just, this is an invitation. You can take it or leave it. But I'm telling you right now, it's the best decision you'll ever make in your life, more than what wife you'll pick, um, what outfit that you're going to wear to your prom this year uh yeah what's college you're going to go to what career you're going to pick and none of that even matters it compares it's it matters on some level but it doesn't compare to the decision you make to make jesus christ your lord and savior not just once but every single morning every single day so here's your opportunity right here if you confess Romans 10, 9 through 10 says that if you will confess with your mouth or to say out loud, hey, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. And you, if you will believe in your heart, actually believe it, believe it with all in your heart, your, where you're, with all your, your mind, your soul, your emotions, all that stuff. All, like, I got to look and see what the meaning of that heart word is here in the context. But basically, you know, your heart, like your gut. Believe it. Know it without a doubt that God. Hath raised has raised him from the dead. You will be saved for with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I was just thinking about that real quick because just like this morning, you believed that the sun was going to rise. Just like this morning, you might have gotten stopped and got gas and you believed that that gasoline was going to actually come out of that pump and go into your car and it was going to actually work. You don't know where the gasoline came from. It could have been some jet. It could have been a boot. They could have been a bootleg gas station selling horrible bad faulty gas but you had faith that it was going to work 
when you went to get that coffee this morning, you believed that coffee was going to come out of that spout. It could have been busted and broken, but you believed that was going to happen. Even more so, if you're married, you believed that your wife was going to reciprocate love towards you. When you proposed, guys, when you proposed to your wife, you believed that she was going to say yes. Women, when your husband, after he proposed to you and y'all went through all the gyrations of getting prepared for the wedding and inviting folks and, yeah, picking out flowers and um, picking out tuxedos, dresses, colors, the music, food, all that honeymoon plans afterward. You believe that that joker was actually going to show up on the podium <laughs> and be there on your wedding day, right? You believe he was going to say I do and she was going to say I do. With that same belief and faith that you have in your heart, that's even a more deeper level. Because all the stuff I said before, the coffee, the gas station, all that, that's kind of like a surface level. On a deeper level, the most inward part of you, the deepest longing, yearning, feeling, emotional feeling deep inside of you, that's the type of belief that Jesus is desiring for you, desiring from you and for you. To know him, to love him, and to make him the Lord, a ruler of your life, right? It takes humility to do that. So here you go. Here's your actual invitation to just say this prayer from your heart. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. This is even deeper than that. Your heart is like even a deeper than your... I don't even fully understand the, the whole... I need to read more about the whole of the heart and the definition of the heart. And how that is different from the mind, will, and emotions, your soul. But as far as I know, your heart is like even deeper than your soul. It's like it's like your heart, it's like your soul and your spirit and your body all together. It's all one. The in the deepest, most inmost part of you. Anyway, with your heart, the deepest, most innermost, sincere part of you. When like, you know, when somebody says, I love you with all my heart, you know, that person is in my heart. I love them. I would take a bullet for them. That heart. Here we go. You can simply say this prayer sincerely. Say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I missed the mark. I know I made mistakes. I know I've lied. I know I stole. I know I cheated. I know I've, I've, uh, you name the sin. I've done it. I know my sin or missing the mark deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty, amazing name I pray. Amen. And then lastly, Romans 10, 13 says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, that's anybody, they will and they shall be saved. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer, that accepted you into their heart. Uh, I pray for those that have walked away from you, Lord, like a prodigal child, Lord, and have decided to come back to you, Lord, and say, this is the day that you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This day is my independence day. And from this day forward, I will serve you, Lord. 
I will commit my life to you. And so I just pray, Lord, for those that wherever they're at in life, for those that have been walking for a long time and just um, they're they might have grown dull in their in their walk with you, their relationship with you. I pray that you would renew a fire and a passion and a desire to return to that first love when they first accepted you as their Lord and Savior. I pray that they would go back to that and they would just yearn, not just do religious activities or but as they walk out the spiritual disciplines of prayer and fasting and reading your word and spending time with other Christians and worshiping Lord, I pray that they would just have a renewed sense of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to love you and have a relationship with you. I pray that they would have a deep, intimate relationship, even deeper and more intimate than a married, a couple that's been married for 45 years, 50 years walking together, even deeper than that. And they would desire that. And uh, and they would desire that more than just religious activities or to be seen by folks or that's a huge temptation for all of us. I can relate to that. So I just pray for intimacy and joy and peace. And I pray against any any old church hurt or pain that might have been caused in the church where folks have um, mistaken you, God, for things that have happened in the church or people that have hurt them. And I pray that they would be able to be healed because your word in Psalm 147 says that you have uh, healed our broken hearts and you have bandaged all of our wounds, God. It's amazing. You don't just completely always remove all of our wounds. You leave them there and you bandage them. And one day when we stand before you in eternity, there will be no bandages, Lord. We won't even remember any of the ways we've been hurt. We won't even remember, as far as I know, all the all the things, all the pain. We won't we won't we won't feel the sting of pain anymore. Versus physical, both physical pain and spiritual pain, soul pain. Uh, so anyway, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for all that you've done, all that you're going to do. And I look forward to just hearing testimony after testimony of your goodness and your faithfulness to everyone listening to this podcast or just anybody, Lord, that I'm just praying for, Lord, that that falls into those categories of never accepting you or they walked away from you or they just become spiritually dull. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. All right, y'all. I'm out.